I'm just going with the flow. So, You're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Hey, welcome everybody to the Three Wise Truck Guys. Uh, glad to have you back again for our latest uh, take on what's happening in the commercial truck business. As always, um, I'm joined by Mark Martinsic and uh, John Whitnell. This is Keith. How you all doing? Oh, great, Mark. Yourself? Doing really good. Doing really good. Staying safe. That's good. Keith, John? Keith, Mark, top of the morning to you. Here we go. Let's go get them. Top, top of the morning as well. So, hey, real quick before we get into this, uh, just a little feedback. I've, I've had uh, four people tell me in the last day that they've been listening to our podcast and that we actually know what we're talking about. Pretty amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and I did, I also heard from one of the DMS providers that they, they are asking their people that work for them to listen to us. So I'm not sure what that means, but uh, kudos to us, I think. We'll take them. Anyway, we well, can them. I know it's been tough for me to carry you guys. So. It, yeah, we appreciate that. Mark, we are so grateful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've got big shoulders, Mark. So. Uh, yeah. Hey, so today, today our, uh, our topic is pretty timely. We're going to talk about the used truck business. Um, you know, the, the used truck business back in the early uh, 2010s was pretty decent. Um, turned south around the mid part of the decade and really pretty much been there ever since. And I know looking at what happened in 2019, uh, that was to say tough, maybe was an understatement, John, tough for the uh, used truck business. You know, a couple of things there, Keith. First off, you know, 2013 and 14, we'll remember those days as the good old days. That was absolutely the high watermark for this industry. In 15, it started heading south, and uh, we had a little little help in 18, but really, you're right, 2019 was a tough year, some of the lowest values we've ever seen. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more this morning. Yeah. We like, like I say, we, we think that's starting to change right now. Um, I know if, if you're a subscriber to our used truck intelligence product, um, we've been putting out there to our clients that, well, John, for probably the last four months that the table is set for a recovery. Yes. In this sector of the business. And that's, that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, before we get into this, uh, Mark, if you don't mind, what's some, some of the best things you've observed over the last 30 days since we, since we got together last? You know, uh, I really think with this COVID deal, and uh, uh, if anyone's watching on their website, we're tracking uh, volume for parts and service on a weekly basis every Monday. But uh, uh, the height of it was about 25%, wasn't it, Keith, of a, of a drop in parts yeah, and service? I believe so. At, at, at the worst point, but seems to have leveled off to about 12%. And actually, uh, last week, it looked a little bit better than that. And I think most dealers have been very, very reluctant to uh, uh, furlough uh, technicians. Consequently, they've carried a lot of cost. And I'm starting to see that change right now. I think that they're uh, uh, starting to right size uh, based on that on that uh, 10 to 12 percent mark at least okay and uh so we're seeing some numbers improve in the service department okay um 
technicians are hard to find, but uh, what we keep preaching and we talk about a little bit on these podcasts is to use this time, if you are slow in your service department, to hone your processes and to get more efficient. Uh, when we, you know, I, I'm thinking of a particular dealer that was running 18, 18 techs and uh, the proficiency was about 60%. Today, they're running uh, 10. I think they just brought two back this week, so they'll be at 12. But the proficiency has been up to 100%. So, uh, uh, you know, if, if you hone your process, think about doing uh, the amount of business that's at the door, matching that uh, capacity to the demand. And I'm seeing a lot more of that. And to me, that's a positive that people are realizing this isn't going away for a while and that we need to right size. We can't keep carrying that that uh, um, that cost okay and the fact is if your business is doing better than the average and a few are okay there's a lot of techs out there for you to hire if you want to upgrade your staff as well so some good things I think anything worst that you want to add to it or is, is the flip side of that just worst mark which is people yeah. that that are refusing to recognize what's happening right now. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, because they are carrying a lot of cost, a lot of indirect and, and uh, available time that's not being used that they're buying, and uh, it really drives up their cost, and it shows in the bottom line, obviously, okay? And if they're not working on their processes, if they're letting, letting the pandemic uh, and all the news around it control them, okay, then they're not going forward, and I would say they'll be at risk when we do come out of this, so. Uh, so that that's the flip side. John, I'm going to turn it to you. Best you know, of uh, Actually, I spent a lot of time during the month thinking about this because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get asked this question on every podcast going forward. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to categorize the best in class that I've seen this month is there's been some really exciting work going on with several, several of our clients on asset management uh, related activities. Keith, one of the snapshots we sent out this month was on the uh, mid-year auctioneer of the year updates and the auctioneer performance. And I got several calls from uh, dealers asking about details that were within there and should I use this auctioneer or that one. And that sort of sent a signal to me that they recognized. Our message has been, you know, if you've made an investment mistake or if you're over-invested in a piece of inventory, we, we do see the market coming back, but you, you it's not going to save you from yourself. So there's a lot of people recognizing that they've got to manage their assets still and uh, and they're taking action. I got a couple of calls on uh, the, the metric, the turnover metric and how to calculate that properly. So had a lot of different calls and a lot of different flavors of asset management calls. And it's sort of refreshing because uh, if you're managing your assets appropriately, when the market does turn your 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 poise and your position to really start making some serious money. So I was excited uh, to see that. Uh, on the flip side of that coin, Keith, uh, you know, some of the, we spend a lot of time looking at dealer websites and, and kind of critiquing websites. And, uh, you know, there are several dealers out there that leverage truck paper to, to help them with their site. And that's, uh, that's uh, probably not a bad idea, but then, they never really go back and do any checking. So, you know, if somebody's looking for sleeper tractors, a lot of dealers out there have kind of gotten sloppy and lazy and they've got their inventory mischaracterized in certain sectors of the truck paper website. So, you know, if you got sleepers and they're showing up in vocational trucks, you're, you're missing sales opportunities. And there's just, I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a disproportionate amount of that this month. So some great asset management stuff, some kind of not so great 
marketing, uh, inventory display, merchandising stuff. Thanks. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna combine what both of you said. I, I was talking to one of our advisors this morning, and and he was catching me up in in what he was doing with one of his main customers. Um, and they had a really good month in June or July. I'm sorry. Um, at one of their stores, and it, but a couple of the others had a pity party for themselves about, well, coronavirus this and coronavirus that. And you know, his comment to them was, "Look, this is this is here to stay. Uh, whether or not we get a vaccine for it, really doesn't matter. This thing's going to be here, and it's part of our life, and we got to learn how we deal with it." And I thought that was pretty sage advice, especially coming from a 30-year-old young man. Um, he was right on top of it. But that's played into the best and the worst that I've seen. One of them, the best is, and this is a, a asset management, but it's from a part side. There's been a lot of consternation from, from dealers in the last six months over vendor-managed inventory. It doesn't matter which OE it is. It, it appears that, that at least on the dealer's mind, that, that it's not working as well as, as they would like it to. And we're, you know, just as a, as a caveat, as a company, we think vendor managed inventory is a really good tool, um, that it really supports the dealer and it supports their initiatives. And, and if it's used right and supported right inside of the dealership, that it can really drive fill rate and it can, it can drive turns up as well, lower your day's supply on the part side. But we've had a couple of dealers that have said, look, we want to dig into our inventory. We want to understand what's happening from a vendor managed inventory standpoint, why it's happening, what we can do with do about it, what are the things that we're doing at the dealership that's that's causing it not to work as well as it should, and and ultimately how do we drive the right parts onto the shelf without getting the excess parts on the shelf, and th this is these are not small dealers. These are are 28, 30, 32 location dealerships that are flagship um, um, owners and, and franchise or uh, uh, dealerships for their franchises and they're they're seriously taking a look at what's going on and the the flip side of that is a conversation that i had in the last couple of weeks with a fairly large dealer group and their response was oh well, we can't do anything about vendor managed inventory it is what it is we can't act on it the reality is there's a tremendous amount of ownership that you as, as the uh, as the parts manager, as the dealership uh, management team that you can have on really addressing your inventory and using the vendor managed inventory for what it's intended to do, which is help the, help the OE and, and help the supply chain and help you as a dealer improve both first time fill rate and lower the, the, the on the on the parts uh, or on the shelf stock. So that's that's my best and worst. I guess it, I guess what we are all three talking about is 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 business owners and and leadership teams that are decide that take action, and those that just are taking what's com what's coming to them and not doing anything about it. And I guess that's what we're all three saying. React. Yeah, it really, it really is. It really is, yeah. and uh, and we see it. We're talking to so many dealers. We see the differences. Uh, uh, if, if you're looking at anything that we're tracking, whether it's huge trucks uh, or the uh, uh, 
tracking of volume parts and service and so forth you look deeper into the data there's people that are doing way better than those averages and people that are not even coming close to those right. averages so um, the business is there we've got to change if there's one thing that's been constant in all my years and we know how old i am and how long i've been around it, it's change it's constant right. and uh, we need to adjust so Keith, this right. is uh, this is the difference between being proactive and running the business with disciplined metrics, and being a victim. Yep, and, uh, that, this that is, would be you know, true. It's usually always the shadow of a leader, right? This starts in the corner office with the dealer principal, and uh, so um, it, that that attitude's got to change right there first. Man, when you said that, you looked right at me as well, John. So well, I kind of did, but uh, we'll go after the podcast. How about that? <laughs> hey, thanks, thanks again for your input. Hey, we uh, guys, we do have uh, we have a special guest today, and we always like having guests on. Number one, so we can pick on them, but more so, uh, more so because they make us uh, they make us look uh, good. Not because not because we're going to show our intelligence, but because we show our intelligence by having somebody smarter than us on our podcast. So uh, our our guest today is Lucas Deal. Lucas is with uh, Randall Riley Publishing, and if if uh, if you're anyone in terms of owning a dealership or running a dealership, you know who Lucas Lucas is. He's the editor of uh, Truck Parts and Service. Lucas, thanks for joining us today, and uh, thank you for having me. Really, really appreciative of that. If you don't mind, could you give our listeners a little background on Lucas Deal, and then we're going to ask you the same question: What's the best thing you've seen? And what's the worst thing you've seen in the last month? Okay. Well, a little background on myself and a little background on TPS. Uh, TPS has been around for 50 years. And uh, last year we brought our successful dealer brand under our TPS nameplate. So I'm sure a lot of your, a lot of our readers and a lot of your listeners are the same people. And they know TPS from what we do covering the dealer channel and the aftermarket channel. And I'm thrilled to be here talking used trucks with you guys today. I, I think used trucks are always a valuable topic. It's always something people are interested in. Moving used trucks, knowing how to move used trucks, market used trucks is, is a challenge for every dealer every day with or without COVID. So just discussing it today is the perfect topic and I'm glad you guys are discussing it. As for best practices observed and you know what's, what's going well, what's not going well, I think what I've heard from dealers this year is the more you know your customers, the more you'll sell trucks. And what I mean by that is if you know what your customers look for, if you know typically what they expect in a used truck, you can be proactive in communicating with them when you feel like you're bringing new inventory in. If you're going to bring in 20, 30 trucks that are all the same, you know, a, a pack of trucks, unless you have a customer that typically buys at that level and buys 15, 20 trucks at a time, maybe you can know looking at your customer base, looking at what you've sold over the last three to five years, there probably isn't a customer in your regular customer base that's going to need 20 trucks. So maybe you determine, well, I can sell five or 10 of them and the rest of them I should just get rid of before I sit here and lose money day after day after day, not knowing what to do with it. So that's one thing that I've seen be really successful this year is know your customers in advance, know what they're looking for. If you know there's a customer that likes a specific make, model, year of truck, when you come in contact with one of those trucks, maybe reach out to the customer in advance and say, hey, I have the opportunity to bring this truck on. Would you be interested? Or, hey, I, I'm, I'm, having the, I'm having a discussion with the fleet today and I could get 15 to 20 trucks and there's four or five different nameplates, different engines. 
do you have any interest in these? Because that reduces the time in which that truck's on your lot, reduces the time in which you're managing it and dealing with it. And sometimes you can just bring in a truck and move it to a customer that you know know is going to be able to use it in a couple of days and the cost to you is lower. So that's one thing that I've seen this year. And it's going back to what John said, is just being proactive, knowing your customers, not waiting around and hoping someone walks in the door and buys a truck. Because that's not always going to happen anyway, but it's specifically not going to happen now when people aren't comfortable leaving their house or leaving their business, they're not going to show up on your lot. So that's a, that's a big priority that I've seen here over the last couple of months. Great. Thanks, Lucas. We, we appreciate that. <clears throat> hey, John, you know, Lucas brought up this idea of time. You know, that's the uh, enemy of profitability and about any asset management. That's uh, kind of things out of our playbook right there. Yeah, he's, he's seen our playbook, I think. He's been sneaking a peek or something <laughs> like that, really. But time, but time is uh, time is money, and that's not a – believe it or not, I didn't just make that up, okay? But, um, you know, anything you can do to pre-sell your inventory, which is is always a good thing, um, and, and it's an effective part of an uh, overall asset management strategy. Yep. Hey, John, also, before we get into uh, some questions for – you and Lucas and, and Mark, uh, you know, one of the things, and you've, I know we've had this discussion before on this podcast, but it just continues to intrigue me. And I think it probably is, is of interest to the people listening, which is demand. You know, we always use truck valuations are always driven by demand. And yet you tell me time and time again, that that's probably not true or not entirely true. The supply side of it is much more impactful than demand. You know, uh, Keith, I just would make uh, two points towards that. And first off, uh, even amidst this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the demand remains remarkably stable. I've been studying the used truck business for 40 years. And uh, and one of the things that has really been, uh, you know, strategically obvious is, you know, there's, there's, there's a fixed level of demand no matter which product sector you're talking about, whether it be mid-range straight trucks or whether it be line haul tractors. And Keith, just for the benefit of our listeners, when we talk about line haul, we talk about sleepers plus day cab equals line haul, right? That's where all the volatility comes from. And and, and pricing swings have been dry, dynamic and, and really profound. And, and they've used trucks is the number one reason why dealers go out of business. And uh, you go back 40 years and you look at that, uh, there have been a few other causes, but this is number one on the hit parade. So the, uh, the point here, though, is it hasn't been swings in demand that have caused its pricing to vacillate widely. Demand by sector, remarkably stable, has been for four decades. Interesting. You know, when we talk about demand, I, I think of we were talking earlier about that 2013 to 2014, 15 time period. And I was kind of an inter interesting time period because demand at that point in time was exceeding supply, you know, and, and uh, in some cases pretty severely. And so we had a we had a unique happening there. We had an appreciating asset value in, in many cases. And, and, you know, we I think we all know that this is what's that, John? I'm sorry. Pretty rare. Pretty rare. Yeah. And you're right. But Keith, even so, even in the 13 and 14 time frame, when we go back and look at those demand was not really measurably above right. historical demand, okay? So it was the fact that supply had gone so constrained. Keith, the only example we have in our industry of when demand was actually curtailed is if you go back to the 2008-2009 correction, right. demand uh, did take a terrific hit in that there was an enormous amount of 
of economic uncertainty in that time frame. But the reality was people would still have been buying trucks in the 2008-2009 time frame. Lenders left the market. Right. It was an absence of liquidity. So, so not having lenders out there that were willing to lend money to customers that wanted to buy new trucks, that's been the only instance when we've ever had a really, a, you know, if you take historical demand and go plus five, plus seven, or minus five, seven, it vacillates in a very predictable range and it is remarkably stable. Uh, there's only one example when that hasn't been true. So really, you know, if you're going to be successful in understanding how to forecast what's going on in this business, probably need to spend most of your time on the supply side. Yep. So I, and I think we would all know that this is a, this asset is normally not an appreciating asset, right? It's a, it is a depreciating asset, but there's a, some sort of, of line, if you would, uh, a, a regression line that we can start to, to forecast from. However, in that 2015 up really through 2019 uh, time period, we saw those, those those valuations decline a lot. You know, you said, John, earlier that 2018, we saw some relief in it. We had supply chain issues that disrupted that supply of new trucks, not enough parts. You remember back just two years ago, we were in a incredibly dynamic and and uh, huge demand on new trucks. Factories couldn't keep up and supply chains were breaking on parts to, to get to the factories and so it disrupted that flow of new trucks. Last year, we got those new trucks back in the pipeline again. So supply, again, I'm guessing, started to increase. Um, but I think, you know, what we're going to learn is maybe that's changing some. But, you know, John and Lucas, you, you talked, John, a little, little bit about it. Have we ever seen time periods of when prices, used truck prices were lower than we experienced last year in 2019. And I'll turn that to both you and Lucas, John, and Mark certainly chime in because I know from a service perspective, used trucks can have a big impact on uh, on service profitability as well. So, you know, the question is, we ever seen anything worse than what we saw last year? John, you want to go first or you want me to jump in there? Lucas, why don't you take a, take first bite at the apple and I'll follow you up and uh, see okay. what happens. I, I would say that they're, they're pretty low, Keith, uh, the, the short answer to your question. Um, price has been down most of the year. I'm sure there's been points in the past where, where it was close to what it is now, but it, it's pretty bad in, in a lot of spots. And, and one area we've seen with day cabs is you're seeing a lot more intermodal uh, delivery. You're seeing a lot more inter intermodal regional haul in the marketplace. I actually wrote a piece this week or last week on that and that we're selling we're selling a lot more day cabs than we used to we're not um we're not running as many cross-country routes there's a lot more 100 to 500 500 to 1000 mile routes where you can get away with a day cab and that puts us in a situation where we go back to john's topic of supply that we've got more than we probably need and um if there's more of them out there it, it's harder to get them moved john would you agree yeah absolutely I, in fact uh Lucas, you've seen some of our work. We we predict auction sale prices uh, by product sector, and and Keith, to your point, uh, 2019 was the lowest prices uh, auction sale prices that we've ever seen on day cab tractors. Um, sleepers were also uh, really challenged last year. Not not quite as bad. Um, 
as as we were able to see with the day cab tractors. But there's a caveat there as well, right? The last time we saw prices that were actually lower than we observed at the end of uh, 19 in the sleeper sector was was in 2000 and 2001 when new trucks cost maybe 70 or 75 thousand dollars. You know, they cost 130 thousand today. So on a on a, in real terms, these were probably they were definitely the lowest day cap prices we've ever seen, and they were, in real terms, probably the lowest sleeper values. So, as we as we round up 2019, there was not a lot of tailwinds. Uh, pricing in the line haul sector was really tough. Lucas, um, you know, uh, I think everything runs in streaks, okay? But the the class five to seven dealers that we're working with on a service standpoint seem to have a whole lot of inventory on their lots right now, okay? Is there, is there a specific reason, do you think, for that? Or is it just what you guys are talking about, that uh, um, supply in some areas is it's too much? It's, it's probably a little bit of supply is too much. Um, the market there has been pretty stable for, for several years. I think, obviously, this year things have been a little wonky, but generally for the last four to five years, um, it, it's been a pretty steady market in that five to seven range. Um, I think maybe we're in a situation now where people just aren't quite as comfortable making making investments in as many trucks as they would have in the past. So we've got a little bit of a higher supply than we're used to. But generally, I think that that market has been pretty steady and just something seemed to happen or, or we know what's happened this year, but it's just um, put us in a situation where customers aren't quite as aren't quite as willing to take on quite as many trucks as they normally would have. Yeah, you know, I like that answer too, Mark. Just uh, from my perspective, you're very astute and very observant. There is a lot of medium-duty inventory out there right now. But, you know, historically, we haven't seen the volatility in values. And uh, so I think dealers are, you know, there's a there's an expectation about what's going to happen with prices. And, and most dealers have an expectation that medium-duty trucks are going to be a lot more stable. And, and for good reason, they are. Um, supply is, uh, inventory is elevated. I would argue supply of medium duty trucks and principally because Ford and General Motors uh, exited the market for a, a brief period of time in the uh, early 2010, 2014 timeframe before they came back with new products. I think that factor kind of constrained medium duty supply and has been probably the single biggest factor that explains why medium duty prices have been so stable for, for so long. That's the, probably a very good point. And the service and parts side, okay, this this pandemic has hit medium duty dealers a whole lot harder than the than the class eight dealers and so forth. Yeah, you think that's part of it? I was wondering the same thing, Mark, because I know we've had conversations with several of our customers about this, about how hard that they've been hit, and they're and they're the they're the five to seven dealer, class five to seven dealer. Yeah. Hi. I hear that from a couple of different angles. You know, the full service leasing companies are saying the same thing, right? Their businesses are really targeted towards private traditional customers, uh, especially as it relates to the medium duty sector. So so I hear that quite a bit. And Lucas, you might have some different feedback than I, but, uh, you know, quite frankly, March was a little soft. April, uh, April kind of bounced back a little bit. Boy, June uh, was really strong in terms of medium duty. And Lucas, another parallel sector here is the LFE sector. I think the LFE, Mm -hmm. the Zuzus, if you will, the Azuzu product and the mid-range, those two sectors kind of move together. Uh, And July, you know, we're just starting to get our July results in right now. But 
Mark and Keith, we're seeing some pretty strong, both volumes and sale prices. So, so I think the medium duty demand, as we continue to say, I think it's, it may have taken a breather in March, perhaps March and April, but it seems like it's come back. And, and I think we'll see medium duty demand in line with historical performance as well as we're going to see it in the line haul sector this year. Yeah, I, I think the market kind of fell off, fell off a cliff there in March, and we all know why that was. And then in, in April and May, we, we kind of, we kind of bottomed out in April and started picking up in May, and definitely June and July have been stronger. And a lot of those, you mentioned the uh, low front entry trucks and some of those smaller straight trucks, delivery trucks. They're probably working in retail. They're working in food service. They're working in businesses that just didn't have the demand. They weren't moving product the way they have in the past because everybody was in their house. You know, you can't. You can't ship to restaurants if restaurants aren't open. So there's a if you're serving that market and those trucks aren't on the road, it's really going to kill your business in all facets. So do you guys think that uh, if we're, you know, if Mark and I are hearing this from our from our customers on the parts and service side, and they're saying you know that the business is is tight, uh, really been impacted. Do you think now now with them if they're looking at their used truck side of it, is it more because they're almost talking themselves into to the fact that that the used truck business is bad because that's what they've experienced in parts and service. That's kind of a tough question, I know, but uh, or, or does it go back to, to to that point? Does it go back to Lucas what you talked about in the beginning of yeah. knowing your customer, okay, and what they buy and so forth, and or a lack of them knowing their customer what they'll buy and reaching out to them proactively and so forth. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think to some degree people, 2019 wasn't a great year for used trucks. So you go into 2020 and you don't have the highest of expectations. And then, uh, coronavirus hits in March and suddenly nobody's selling anything anywhere and business across the board is down. You just assume the rest of the year is going to be terrible. So I think people sort of make those assumptions on, on what was going to happen to the market where I, I think there's a lot of a lot of data out there that says 2020 was actually going to be a better year for used trucks. And there is still hope that it can be as the year goes on because prices are down, but volumes are actually up. D dealers are selling more trucks than they were last year. They're selling more trucks than they were in the spring. There's reasons to be optimistic, but if you talk yourself into the negativity coming into the year, you'll probably just wallow in it in the rest of the year. But like, like I said earlier, yeah, if you're a proactive dealer, you know your customers, you know your marketplace, there is a path out of this. It's not going to be your best year. It's not going to be 2014 or 2013, 15. Those years are gone. But there is a way to make 2020 not be a disaster for you. There is a way to make this a serviceable year. And there are still customers that are out there buying trucks and still need trucks because as as John said earlier, in June and July, the market has really come back and we're not as far off maybe expectations, at least over the last couple of months, as maybe we we thought we would be in March. Hey, Keith, uh, I think Marcus made about a half a dozen really excellent points in, in, in that last uh, statement. So I'm just going to try and touch on this. I think part of the problem here is uh, is the attitude of the dealer principal. He really needs to get focused on terms of what's really happening in the industry. Um, as you're aware, Keith, there are a couple other guys out there talking about uh, used trucks. We're not confident in, in their prognosis, but we're, uh, we've been calling the ball on a recovery here for about three or four months. And we're really the only ones that are that bullish in terms of what the balance of 2020 looks like. So I guess my message and, and the only thing I'd say in addition to what Lucas said was be careful who you listen to. 
not trying to put you in a tough spot here, Lucas, but be careful who you listen to and uh, and make sure that they've got their facts lined up so, so that the story makes sense to you so that you can relate it to convey the right message to your, your dealership and your dealership employees. Really interesting. And again, if we go back to talking to, quote, the normal dealer, the normal used truck manager at the dealership, it's always going to be my demand is not there. And so it's driving my prices down. Um, when maybe that's really not what's happening. We know that's probably not what's happening. Hey, Lucas, these guys are tired of hearing me talk about this. You want to take this one? <laughs> yeah, I'll get started on this one. I, but I think I'm going to kind of reiterate something you said earlier, John. I'm just You go back through the data for years and years and go back decades, decades and it's always supply that drives market changes. It's always supply when, when fleets are shedding trucks, when they're bringing new trucks in or they're hitting a point in the market where they're not moving freight, they don't need as many trucks. They offload the equipment they don't need or they trade in the equipment when they get new and then we have an oversupply and that's what usually impacts the market. If you go back and look, and like I said earlier, demand, the, the amount of trucks that dealers are selling, especially used trucks, is actually going up. We're, we're seeing more equipment sold this year than maybe we saw a couple months ago. And there's reason to believe that will continue, especially as the, the market and freight continues to rise here over the second half of the year. So I think there's a reason to be there's a reason to be concerned about supply because we definitely had more trucks in the spring than we than we needed. And now we're in a situation where we're trying to move them all as quickly as possible. But it's just an, an interesting situation that demand is always what people f focus on. They always think, well, I don't have enough customers out there to, to buy trucks. I've got too many trucks and there's no, not enough customers. But go back and look at your data. Look at how many trucks you sold in 2010. Look at how many trucks you sold in 2015. It's not that you sold X number then and now you're selling 80% of X. You're probably selling 20% more than X. It's just you have that many more trucks because there's just hundreds and hundreds and thousands more trucks in the market than there was five, 10 years ago, and somebody's got to buy them and somebody's got to sell them. Interesting. What do you think about all that, Mark? You know, uh, it, it sounds to me like uh, all the dealers I've heard suffering in the uh, used truck business, if they had focused more on supply, okay, and, and focused on knowing their customer and reaching out proactively, they would have been in a lot better shape. It, it seems seems pretty simple when we sit here and talk it's, about it. You know, we, we hear, Mark, that they lose gazillions of dollars, right? I mean, in this in this business and... Uh, um, That's a very technical use truck well, gazillion. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I think if you just if you look at the market, though, medium-duty truck sales over the last decade were up 90, 95% in, in total number of, of new truck sales. Um, Class A truck sales were up 60, 65%. And obviously the economy has been better over the last decade and, and has grown and freight rates have grown, but freight rates haven't grown 75% over the last decade. That just means there's more trucks than there's more trucks than we need to sell. So if you're going to be in the used truck business and you're going to be successful in the used truck business, you have to understand that there's a huge supply number out there and you need to know which kind of trucks you're going to bring in and you need to know how to move them quickly because if not, you're going to, they're going to pile up on top of you and you'll never be able to get out or it'll take you years to get out. And by the time you get out, the market will have cycled back to having oversupply again. Yeah. 
So Mark, you kind of made an interesting point. If everybody's busy looking at demand, and oh, by the way, we've already advanced the argument that demand is pretty stable and it doesn't move around a whole lot. Uh, and and so you better be looking at supply. It's The, the reality is, um, you know, supply is really, really not all that difficult to forecast. What becomes a challenge, um, you know, is what are the what are the kind of the cosmic events in the universe that could cause significant disruptions uh, to, to the supply function? You know, supply is originally, you could go back and if it's a class eight line haul tractor, you could go back three years, see how many units were produced and you've probably already got a decent forecast of supply for, for what's gonna happen in the used truck market three years later. But there've been a couple of events that have happened uh, Lucas won in 2018, and then another one that's happening this year. I was uh, wondering, you know, that, that caused the expected supply at the beginning of the year to change dramatically. And, uh, and those are really important things to talk about because they're really important things to understand. Usually the dealers are in the best position to forecast some of these things too. So, uh, Lucas, I was wondering if there's any chance you could talk about uh, 2018 and what happened in 2018 that caused our initial supply forecast to change so dramatically? I think 2018 was actually pretty straightforward. It was just a case where the market was so hot, it, it, forced, it forced us to make changes. Uh, build schedules were incredibly high and everybody was ordering trucks, but we got in a case where suppliers couldn't keep up with demand. OEMs would have a truck 90% complete and they'd have to wait for a month for um, a shipment to cross the sea or to wait on a specific co component to finish the trucks. So you had all of these uh, um, fleets that, that were just moving tons of freight and business was great and they needed new trucks and they couldn't get them. So maybe what they did was they held off, they held off trading in their trucks because they weren't getting their new ones. They ran them a little bit longer or they, um, they bought 500 trucks, but they only sent 350 into the used truck market because business was so good. And it created this, um, unevenness. Normally, you know, business goes up at a certain rate and falls at a certain rate and goes up at a certain rate and falls at a certain rate. And our time was completely thrown off there because our new trucks weren't, weren't hitting the market way, the way we had anticipated and the way that I know, John, you'll, you'll, you'll compliment me here the same thing, that, that we expected a certain number of new trucks to come into the market at a certain time. And we expected as a result, a certain number of used trucks to flow into the secondary market. And it just didn't work that way because the, the new trucks didn't show up on time. And we needed so many trucks that what happened in the used market was fundamentally shifted from what we could expect. Yeah, that's exactly right. The number of trucks the number of trucks actually showed up. It was just the timing that got adjusted yeah. accordingly. So in 2018, we actually were sort of in a scarcity situation for sleeper tractors. And uh, guess what? Prices went up, which was, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing <laughs> if you're if you're sitting on some of these. But then in 2019, uh, the bill came due. And, uh, and we saw that as all those new trucks were finally delivered and the related trade-ins finally came in and supply to the used truck market, that, that correction kind of, kind of hit itself. And so, uh, you know, some of these, they're, they're just adjustments to supply, but the overall supply function really didn't change. It just got disrupted in 2018 and those trucks showed up in 2019. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and you compare that if you will to, to today or the, the pandemic environment that we're in in 2000 and uh, in 2020, it's really kind of the same thing, except now instead of components not showing up, OEMs had to shut down their factories 
And so, uh, you know, the new trucks that they would be building, they didn't get built and the trade-ins associated with those. So really it's sort of French vanilla and vanilla. It's two different flavors of the same thing. Uh, but our expectation is that it's going to create some short-term opportunities here in 2020 because supply has been so significantly disrupted that, uh, that it's going to create pricing opportunities and anomalies. Uh, again, like in 2018, make hay while the sun's shining because those trucks are probably going to show up in 2021. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would agree with that 100% that we're in a situation where we're, we're – like you said, the French vanilla and vanilla, it's just two sides of the same coin, but we're starting to get an idea of what to expect from what happened in the first half of the year. And I think as we get later into the second half of the year, we'll really have a better idea of what's ahead of us. But I think we're in a situation where the market is sort of correcting now and should sort of stabilize to some degree by the end of so, the year. So, Keith and Mark, the end game here is a little less clear. Yeah, so that's, that's what I wanted to ask yeah. you about. I, I mean, I think our listeners like history lessons. And Lord, they, they Lord. do. I, I would say this, you know, the, it's a little bit of a challenge to forecast uh, because there's there's a couple of different things that are going on right now. First is, you know, manufacturers have to change all their their line spacing, their 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 uh, station protocols. It's it's a it's a complex machine to build, and now you've got to change where people uh, sit. Yeah in order to, uh, you know, to be able to build that truck. So there's a lot of changes that are having to be made to the manufacturing process. And there's also a lot of questions about how quickly the supply base can come back online to supply the volume of components that you need. So, um, you know, how quickly it's going to snap back is, uh, is you know, every OEM makes their money selling new trucks. So they want it to come back as quickly as possible. The, the, the unknown here is, is how quickly will it come back and, and then, of course, the second unknown is, you know, we've changed a lot of things here at Key Advisors as a result of the pandemic. And I think a lot of freight haulers have changed things, yeah. too. And so they're trying to assess how all these changes to their operations and what future demand looks like in order to really understand their true equipment needs going forward. Uh, there's a wild card here about how many trucks are, are, are for hire carriers going to order going forward in the future. Interesting. Interesting. It's a lot going on. Uh, that is a lot going on. I mean, revolutionary stuff, uh, you know, stuff that because of the pandemic is forcing new thinking that uh, was never required in the past. Interesting. So, you know, you guys have talked a lot about supply. Um, and I guess I guess the word here is that uh, don't take your eye off of that used truck supply. That may be that may be job one at any point in time. Um, would you agree? Is that is that pretty much the. The gospel message there, John. Amen. Amen. Um, like I say, Keith and, and Lucas, I think made this point as well. Really, you know, dealers were in the best position in 2018 to assess. I mean, they were the ones having to pick up the phone and call their customers and explain why they couldn't deliver right. that. You know, I, I know I said I'd get that truck to you in June, but it's parked out in a field in Cucamonga and it needs an alternator and a passenger seat and I can't get either one. So really dealers were, it's not like they're not in a well positioned in order to, to make some of these prognostications as it relates to what's going to happen to supply. And, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, the, the, the hard cutoff on 2020 for manufacturers closing plants down is a little different. I'm not sure they were better positioned there, but dealers are, are well positioned to do a supply forecast and what that could mean to their uh, inventory levels in the used truck business. Interesting. 
Lucas, you got, do you have any other feedback, you know, or any, not any other, do you have any feedback that you're getting from, from people you talk to your readers, uh, people you talk to in the, in the, in this industry relating to the used truck market? Any well, one thing I would want to touch on that we, I think John touched on briefly at the beginning, but come back to is just the importance of properly marketing your equipment. And I think that's incredibly important now when you're not having those face-to-face interactions with customers. How are you getting your equipment in front of those customers? How are you marketing your equipment online, whether that's... Um, whether that's a listing site, whether that's your own website, whether it's emails you're sending out to your customers, Facebook, social media, whatever you're doing, how are you doing that well? How are you capitalizing on how you, how are you capitalizing on the tools available to get in front of customers when you can't physically get in front of customers? And I know Randall Riley, we did a, a number of surveys last year where we interviewed dealers, but we also um, and did some surveys of our fleet and our owner operator readers about when they're going out buying a truck, what are they looking for? And, and some, some of the data was what, what you absolutely would have expected, that customers would still prefer to go to a dealership and talk to someone. They would still prefer to, t- if, if you're talking about an owner-operator or a driver, they would prefer to talk to other drivers. Hey, what's this truck like? What's the experience like? Why do I want to do it? But they're still incredibly, incredibly um, willing to go online and learn about equipment. They're incredibly willing to do the research in advance so that when they come to the dealer, they're informed. And one of the problems that we that we noticed or one of the problems that our readers told us, and I'm for when I'm speaking readers now, I'm speaking our fleet and owner operator readers was we'll go online and we'll go to a dealer's website and it's exactly what John said earlier, the information's not right. Fifty five percent of our responders said that we'll go to a website and the information's not right. And not only do does that if I'm Lucas's truck dealer and I'm trying to sell a truck and my information is right, not only is that customer not going to buy the one truck that I have that's right for him, he might not come back next time because he went to my website and the information wasn't valuable and the experience was poor. And, and I think to, to some degree, if you're selling 15 or 20 trucks or you know, you're selling 50 trucks, you're selling large packages, you probably have really strong relationships with those customers. But if you have those customers that are coming in buying two trucks a year, five trucks a year, one truck every other year, building those relationships are harder and that puts more more of an onus on your website and the other tools that you use. And if those tools aren't working properly, that really kills your business. And it especially kills your business now because you're just not having the opportunity to have any face-to-face interactions. Interesting. You know, uh, Keith, two themes that I'm hearing from our clients and from some of the people that we're trying to make our clients are uh, retail business remains strong and a wholesale business is starting to pick up. And we'll get into maybe why that is in just a little okay. bit. But th- those are a couple of themes that I'm hearing quite a Interesting. bit. Interesting, Mark, I know you've got a couple of customers of yours that uh, they're deeply engaged in this, in this facet of the dealership business. I, I know one of them, I think you said, didn't have such a great year last year in this uh, in this area of the business. Are you getting any feedback from them right now on what's happening, where they're at in the used truck business at all? Uh, you know that that particular customer, uh, to Lucas's point, is really focusing their marketing. Okay, trying to know their customers better and trying to re- really focus their marketing and use that uh, when they look at supply as to what to put in the inventory. Unfortunately, they had such a bad year last year, they took some huge write downs. Uh, 
and didn't get rid of that inventory. So that's still sitting there and uh, more write downs are probably um, in the future. So they're still struggling, but they have recognized uh, what happened and are trying to work their way out of it. Okay. Um, uh, you know, other customers, um, I would say most customers have a limited supply of, um, of trucks sitting on the, on the ground. Okay. The, uh, that I see anyway. Okay. The, except for the medium duty dealers, they seem to be, that's why I brought that up before. They seem to be, uh, have a lot of you sitting on the ground. Okay. Um, so I can just imagine, uh, the cash register, uh, not bringing what the, uh, what the checks are for floor planning and so forth. Hey, John, um, you know, I, I know that, uh, that you guys put out a lot of metrics um, to to your uh, used truck Intel subscribers. Um, would you just mind sharing, speaking to a couple of a couple of those metrics? Uh, you know, there's you've talked to us, to Mark and me, and, and you've done some internal training for key advisors, uh, you and, and you and Mike Green on that this, this market is recovering, the used market's recovering. And I, I, I know, John, that not everyone feels that way, right? That there's maybe a few people in this uh, industry that say, eh, maybe not. But could you list a couple of those metrics that you guys are looking at and why you think that this is a recovering market and, and, and that it's not just two years out, but it's, this is fairly close at hand? Keith, uh, yes, thanks. Appreciate that. Look, uh, as recently, I've got two in particular that I'd like to highlight. One is ask, retail asking price stability. And uh, Keith, as you know, we've got some metrics and we've got some track vehicles and we've got some analysis that we do on this. But we saw this in 2018. We've seen it in every correction. There's a period of pricing stability where prices aren't falling, but they're not going up yet either. And that period is somewhere between four and six months when dealers are talking themselves into the fact that the market is in fact getting better. They don't necessarily have the courage to start raising their prices yet, but usually in the fifth or sixth month, we'll see prices start to escalate. We've seen some evidence of that on, so we haven't seen it across the board, but we've seen price stability for a period of four months in both day cab tractors and sleeper tractors. Okay, so we've, we've, we're in that period now where prices could start drifting higher quickly. Um, prices are definitely not going down. And one of the consistent messages we've been given to our clients is stop lowering your price. If you got a problem truck that you made a mistake in, hey, you're going to have to address that one on your own. The market's not going to save you from yourself. But generally speaking, don't be lowering your price on sleeper uh, line haul tractor inventory right now because the market's going to start coming back in the second half of 2020, and you might be okay in some of those trucks where maybe you've got a thousand or a two thousand dollar valuation issue that you're wrestling with. Stable asking prices are critical, and we've had that in both day cabs and sleepers for four months. Okay. The other metric that has confounded and why the market hasn't snapped back quicker than it has is because during 2019, inventory levels in the industry rose dramatically. And we have finally, in mid-May, seen inventory levels crest and start to come down. They've come down overall. <clears throat> we look at inventory by by sleeper, by day cab, and by, by mid-range, okay? But I'm just speaking to overall inventory levels. 
have came have started to come down. They've declined 10 weeks in a row. I've taken a little early look at what this uh, Thursdays are the day we measure this. They're going to go down this week as well, too. So as dealer inventory levels come down, that creates a whole different psychology for them in terms of how they want to price their inventory. When you're not looking at 50 of the same thing, it's a little easier to raise your price on some of that. So all the things that have to happen in terms of seller psychology are falling into place right now and the average asking prices are stable and inventory levels declining are the two most important metrics that will further improve seller psychology and drive price increases in the second half of 2020. There you go. Supply, supply, supply. It's, it's coming. It's supply, coming. Supply, 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 John. That's... You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's something to be said for consistency, right? Yeah, that right? is true. That is true. Hey, you know what? We're going on an hour here, and uh, I'm sure we could go another three hours, but I know Lucas has some things to do. Mark, you may not. You may be sailing today for all I know, but, uh, um, you know, let's 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 go one more Keith, question here. Yeah, John, go ahead. I'll, I'll be working today, oh, just so you know. I appreciate that. Appreciate Good. That. <laughs> I, I will appear to be working. <laughs> hey, what is uh, – Let's look, let's, let's fast forward now, six, eight months, puts us into first quarter of 2021. What, what, what are you, what are you starting to concern your with, concern yourself with, uh, in 2021? What's the, uh, one thing that's going to happen in the last six months of 2020? Now we're down the last five months of 2020. That's going to have the biggest impact on what's going to happen in 2021. Um, and I, I think I think we know that this virus thing is an unknown. We don't know what's going to happen with it. Uh, so let's we'll leave that out of the question if we, if we can. Um, I know I know we can't leave it all out of the answers, but uh, uh, what's the one thing you think that's going to be the biggest impact these last five months of the year that could roll into twenty twenty one in regards to the used truck market? Well, I'll just jump in there, and I, I would say one concern is new truck sales. Our dealer, our, our dealers, our fleet's going to continue to order trucks the way they had intended to. I think this year, what we saw in April, May, and June is nobody ordered any trucks, and they weren't able to get them anyway when the when the factory shut down. But we saw just yesterday we had twenty thousand new truck orders for July, which brings us back sort of into a sort of into what we expect for the summer, more of a, a seasonal number. Are we going to continue to see that for the rest of the year and into 2021? Or are our fleets going to sort of defer those those truck purchases into uh, later in 2021 or 2022? Because that'll go back to, to John's word. That'll go back to supply. If the fleets decide they're not going to maintain their regular order cycle, that throws everything off from that point backwards. So that throws off when they're going to trade that truck in, when the used truck market is going to receive that truck and everything changes from there. So that would be my one concern or my one of my bigger concerns is how is the new truck market going to respond over the next 12 months? And once we know more about what to expect there, then us in the used, those of us in the used truck market can say, well, this is what we can expect and extrapolate from that new truck okay. data. I, I like that answer a lot, Keith. Um, I think so. Customers are certainly one one piece of the equation. Uh, second piece of the equation is manufacturers, and I, I'm watching closely to see how quickly uh, you know they're able to raise line rates and bring productive capacity back on. And uh, you know, r- right now, uh, Lucas, I don't think uh, uh, the OEMs have the productive capacity to to build if if 
if order receipt rates continue at 20,000 a month, I don't think there's capacity uh, both at the OEM and then in the component uh, supplier level. I just don't think there's that level of capacity to build those trucks yet. So how many there, how quickly they can restore capacity and come back online will certainly be a big driver of uh, what's going to happen in 2021. Mark, you know, this this is really good stuff. Okay, uh, but the bottom line is, and it's just a suggestion. Okay, you need to get those dealers selling more trucks so that we can sell more parts and and do more repairs on them. Okay, just just a suggestion. But we need the business right now. For those those no good sales guys, right? If they would, and, and, and selling used trucks is better than new because we're not doing warranty work. We're doing customer pay work or internal work. Charge <laughs> use huge department for every 10th okay so uh uh get those trucks on the road yeah. well i like that too mark the dealers are the last link in this chain so that was a great answer appreciate yeah, that. i think and i think that that does move us you know back to one of the things that we've we didn't introduce it today but we've talked about it many times on this podcast and other things that we've published or talked about which is the total absorption concept uh you know adding adding the used truck gross into the uh parts and service gross as well. And uh, boy, that's sure you get that above 130, 140, life becomes pretty easy for our, for us running a dealership. So um, yeah. gentlemen, we've spent a lot of time here this morning and I appreciate, uh, appreciate all of you putting your thoughts in. Um, you know, <clears throat> John, you made the comment about used trucks being the number one reason that uh, that they go out, that dealerships go out of business. I always find that interesting and 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 thought provoking and uh, a little bit of a two by four between the eyes at times too, right? That this is a pretty important thing to talk about. Keith, if uh, if you've made a ten thousand dollar mistake in terms of how you valued a truck, and that's not hard to do when you're chasing the new truck right. order down, right? And then you have a hundred trades or you have 200 trades. I mean, we're talking real money. Yep. And, uh, and usually the way fate, uh, that the cruel hand of fate treats us is when you make those kind of mistakes, it's usually for the high quantity of trucks. And it just happens to also come along when the market's turning South. So your $10,000 mistake ends up costing you 20. So, uh, it just the numbers in and of themselves, make this whole thing scary and really it makes it it's so important to understand what's going on in the used truck market and have a credible source of information that you could turn to to help you understand that as you're putting your business plans together for the next year so it's a it's a big deal i I also know that on the flip side of that that uh our best performing dealer customers um as a as a as a general rule they're really good at this at this at this area of business they, the ones that make a lot of money as a dealership as a whole typically do really well on the used truck side. Mark, to your point, they, they, they support parts and service really well. They use used trucks as a, as, a, uh, as a real support arm for selling new trucks. And then they got a profitable used truck um, business operation as well. So, you know, this is, this is a big, big, important tool. And I'm still astounded as to the number of people that say, you know what, I'm just not going to get into that business. Um, it's it's a complex business. It's tough. But uh, I think if we go back, Whitnell, to your 
one thing, supply, supply, supply. At least we can learn a little bit as to how we start, need to start to manage our operations. Look, uh, I know we're over time here, so just one last point though, Keith, right? As, as dealer consolidation continues, and it does, it's going on as we speak. Uh, there will be fewer and fewer dealers um, as state franchise protection laws continue to get tougher, it will be more and more difficult for OEMs to provide used truck marketing support. To, you know, they can provide marketing support, but they can't can't take trucks. The dealer of the future, the dealers that are left, they're going to have to be good and useful. Yeah. It's not an option. They're going to have to figure out how to play in this business. It's it's going to be mandatory. Yeah. Mark, yeah. anything anything you got before we let Lucas have the final word here? No, I, I, I think my biggest takeaway is uh, don't let don't let the economy, don't let the uh, uh, pandemic and so forth control you in any department. OK, uh, be smart, know the data, know your customers and and uh, find a way to go forward in, in whatever the new normal is. OK, well, Mr. Deal, thank you for joining us, Lucas. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having any, me. Any last words of wisdom you'd like to give our audience? Well, Mark stole some of what I was going to say about don't don't really let what's happening in, in the outside world in, impact your business. But I, I would just agree with that, that you can still move trucks. You can still sell trucks. Demand is still there. Demand is definitely still there for parts. We've learned over the last three months, four months, trucking is an essential service and we need this equipment on the road. And there's no reason that you can't be successful in this market, but it's harder than it's been in the past. And you really need to be smart about your business practices and make sure that you're not taking unnecessary risk, like John said. And if you're going to lose money on a truck, lose money quickly and get rid of it and move on to the next one. Don't sit there waiting for the market to turn or come back to you for the big payday because you'll end them ultimately just lose a little bit more that way. So be smart, um, be responsible. But if you do that and you do that well, you should be successful. Yeah. Yeah, Lucas, Lucas, we need to do this more often and get you on here with us because I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. So, hey, hey Keith. Well, if there's nothing else, again, just one last thought to, our to you and, and Mark and Heidi. Uh, thanks for inviting Lucas on here. It's about Mark time we finally had somebody on Lucas one of these calls who knew what the I, hell he was talking about. It's Keith Ely saying uh, thanks for listening in. Well, I'm only as smart as my sources, and yeah. I, I've been fortunate to have some good sources, and you guys have been helpful over the years. But this is always a very fun topic to discuss. I'm glad you guys are able to bring me in. Thanks for being with us, Lucas. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors. We'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback, comments, and questions to info at keyadvisors.com.